It all started the day prior, when my sugar tooth persuaded me to eat two handfuls of these sugar-free delights. Fast forward 15 hours, 23 minutes, and 44 seconds, the world shook. All hell broke loose inside me. A sudden headache, my skin began to perspire, and something tore around in my abdomen with force enough to make me latch onto the couch with both hands and let out a sheer cry that sent my dog retreating into the bedroom. She probably knew the battle was already lost. I tried to make it to the bathroom, but the pressure was so intense I had to wait it out on the couch until a lapse in the gut-busting occurred and I regained control of my muscles. It took only moments before the volcano Mount Anus had blown its top. The air quickly turned poisonous from the methane and sulfuric fumes that spewed forth. Violence and terror are understatements of what happened for the next 45 minutes. I sustained third-degree burns from contact with the lava that flowed abruptly from my bowels. My blood pressure was at record levels, and my body mass was reduced by four pounds. After ample ventilation of the crime scene, I quickly took a shower and changed my clothes because... The powerful fumes had soaked through the fabric and into the skin. I almost had a mental breakdown in the shower after realizing those little gummy bears had nearly defeated such a man I thought I was. I can now hardly bear to look forward through the night terrors and PTSD that will come from this horrid event. Listen, if you don't want reviews like this of your cooking, uh, granted this was for the Harboro sugar-free five-pound gummy bear bag, uh, you want to cook with the Inova Suvi wand. Don't don't try cooking with anything else. Cook with the Inova Suvi wand. Give it a shot, and I guarantee you, your family will not react like this to your cooking. Hello and welcome to the From Ear to Table podcast. My name is Big Daddy Jimmy V, and I am your host. I'm a guy that has no culinary background, but decided to start this food-based podcast because why not? Speaking of why not. Coming up August 26th through 28th, we have Why Not Con. Why Not Con Year One is going to be a gathering of a bunch of podcasters and Kevin Smith fans who live all over the country. Uh, we're going to meet in Vegas the week of August 26th through 28th. Uh, and we've met on Twitter before and fast became friends. So we figured it's time for all of us to finally meet in person and we're going to start a con to do it. Uh, we've got Afterburn 739 in attendance along with alternate endings. Ourselves from ear to table, the FYFC podcast, the Mr. BS show, podcast of two worlds, that man on fat man, the Dave podcast, possibly attending bold and belligerent, the unwantable rant and Vegas aces is Heather. Lots of stuff is going to be going on. So if you're interested, you want to check it out, you can go to why not uh, and you can also reach out on Twitter at green Korean one or send Dave at the day at DavePodcast.com. That's Dave at DavePodcast.com. Shoot them an email if you're interested in Why Not Con, August 26th through 28th in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's going to be a great time. Now, let's see uh, what guest is going to join us at the table this week. Uh, excuse me, is this seat taken? Uh, no, not at all. Please, sit down. Well, now, uh, you seem a little lost. You're not from around here, are you? I'm not. I'm from London. London. Excellent. And uh, <laughs> now, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the From Ear to Table podcast, please welcome, live from London, Miss Bonnie Adams. Yay! 
Yay! <laughs> <laughs> now, are you in London proper, Bonnie, or uh, in the outskirts? No, nah, it's just it's just easier to say London. That seems to be like when I come to America, I say. I'm from London. It's the closest place that people seem to know. <laughs> and then now, now, like, are you like in a little village outside of London? Or are you in a what we would call a suburb? No, I'm in like a tiny little village. Like, there's probably about like twelve houses and a pub. That's about it. <laughs> awesome. What's the name it's of your tiny. village? What's the name of your village? Uh, it's called Trotters Cliff. <laughs> Trotters Cliff. Trotters yeah. Cliff. So. Uh, in the in the British parlance, trotters could mean feet, uh, or uh, maybe yeah. Yeah, I've never looked into it. I might I might look into it now yeah, and find out. <laughs> from so we have Bonnie Adams from Trotters Cliff, England. Uh, that's awesome. It sounds like that might be a town kind of similar to the one they had in uh, Hot Fuzz. Pretty much, yeah. Except we have different accents. <laughs> oh, different accents, and you you don't win Village of the Year every year, right? Oh, we know we don't win Village of the Year. Everyone in this village is very like snooty and yeah. Oh, <laughs> they're all proper rich. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, great to have you here on the podcast. Uh, so, quick question: So, w- if people are out there and they want to find you on the internet, where could they find you on Twitter and Facebook? Uh, my Twitter is Bonnie Barber, and like Facebook, I'm just Bonnie Adams. All right. <laughs> so Bonnie Baba uh, and Bonnie like Adams. Like a sheep. Excellent. No <laughs> worries. Bar like a sheep. <laughs> now, have you uh, have you done any other podcasts? Um. N- well, I did like a a Skype interview with a guy from Smodco, but um, I haven't been on a podcast before. My boyfriend runs one, but ah, and he hasn't had you on yet. No, he's had everyone else, but I haven't been invited yet. Uh, that's okay. I, I haven't had Marin on yet either, so I'm in trouble there. So. <laughs> now, tell me, uh, this being a kind of a cooking-based show uh, for fans of the Kevin Smith world, do you uh, do you cook at home? I do sometimes, but since like, I've just like I moved in with my nan about a year ago. And she's very much, she's very mothering, so I sort of go downstairs and place an order and then come back upstairs and she calls me when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, uh, I wish I could have a nan that I could uh, do that with, just be like, I'd like <laughs> lasagna for dinner, thank you. <laughs> just leave and then come back and it's presented all right. lovely, it's <laughs> on the there, table. <laughs> there you go. Now, well, when you cook, do, is there anything that you are, like, known for, any specialties that you have? Um... I'm quite good at chili, but oh. typically not a very British thing. <laughs> okay, well, no, that's okay. That's okay. You got to take it where you can get it. Uh, now, what kind of chili do you like to make? Well, I make chili con carne, but I don't um, like. I don't really like. I said a minute ago, I don't really eat vegetables, mm-hmm. so um, I like don't put the beans and stuff in it. Okay, so, <laughs> so it's, it's just literally meat? just mince and flavoring. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. No, it's okay. It'd be a good chili, I'm sure. Um, now, do you have a, do you have a favorite spice you like to use? Ooh, that's interesting. Probably paprika. I like paprika. Ah, paprika. Don't hear that too often from folks on this side of the pond. No? Uh, most of it's like I like pepper and salt, er. <laughs> <laughs> which is good. Which is good. Now, tell me, what about a favorite condiment? Ooh. Uh, 
Do you know I'm going to be boring and just say tomato ketchup? <laughs> tomato ketchup. All right. Yeah. Now, and now over there in England, obviously you guys have a lot of different restaurants, obviously from what we have here. Uh, yeah. But do you do you have a favorite restaurant that you like to go to? Ooh, difficult one. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, it's not very English, but like as English people, we really love Indian food. And me and my boyfriend have this really nice curry house near our, like near where he lives called Sagor, and it is delicious. Excellent. And you know what? <laughs> You'll be surprised. But you'll find out in this episode, it's a lot more British than you think. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, you, you talked about Indian curries and lasagnas and your uh, chilies. What is your favorite food? Oh, probably spaghetti bolognese. Oh, very I nice. Like lots of, I like mince-based dishes, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> bolognese. Love that. Love that. And what about your least favorite food? Mushrooms. You and Marin, what, what's with the mushrooms? Is it a texture thing? Is it a flavor yeah, it, thing? No, it's a texture thing. It's a it's texture like thing, yeah. When they're not cooked, they're like spongy, and then when you cook them, they're slimy. I just, I can't, there's no middle ground where mushrooms are a good thing for me. <laughs> but, but the mushroom flavor, if you have a sauce that has a mushroom stock or something like that, the flavor's okay. It's just the actual physical mushroom and the texture. Yeah, it's just the actual mushroom. Like, I quite like mushroom soup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I just don't like actual mushrooms. <laughs> understood, understood. Well, we start the show, uh, like every show, with a, like a fine meal. And that we start it with an amuse-bouche. And the amuse-bouche is a small appetizer that's meant to tempt your taste buds as we talk about this episode's theme. We also like to recognize you, the listeners, so send us your recipes, ideas, love letters, or hate mail. You can send that to fromeartotable at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at from ear to table and on Facebook from ear to table. Now the theme for this episode because we have Bonnie on is British cuisine. But before we dive into British cuisine, we got a little surprise for you guys because both Bonnie and myself have both seen Kevin Smith's yoga hosers. Yes. <laughs> she was fortunate enough when Kevin was on his latest trip through uh, England with the the show when he was over at Edinburgh. He brought it to London. Bonnie was, uh, we were able to coordinate online and get her tickets. (laughs) (laughs) It was so tough. (laughs) It was last minute, like the last tickets for the the early show she was able to score. So I'm I'm curious. I want to hear what you thought of the film. I thought it was, I, I thought it was pretty good. I just didn't like the Bratzies. You didn't like the Bratzies. No, I didn't like them. (laughs) I thought the general idea was good, but I just didn't like the actual little things. They were just little and gross. (laughs) Oh, so the the creepy gross factor was kind of... Yeah. But how did Kevin do performing the Bratzies? I thought it was really good. They're hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) They were a little gross, you know, being filled with sauerkraut. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But what about Harley and Lily Rose? How'd they do? Yeah, I thought they were great. I mean, like, Harley was, um, well, she tried to speak when um, Kev was doing his Q&A. She got about 12 words. Bless her. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. But um, yeah, they did really good. I loved the whole music element they had going on. That was a great opening number, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those of you waiting to see the film, the uh, 
The show opens with uh, the Colleen's, Lily Rose and uh, Harlequin, uh, Smith performing Anthrax's I Am The Man uh, just as a band, and it rocks. It absolutely rocks. The uh, The soundtrack for the movie is available on iTunes, uh, so you can check it out and download it there. But, yeah, I loved it. I saw it at a screening over, like, 14 months ago. Um, they were just doing a test screening of some footage and stuff. And so I saw about the film at about 90% completion. They were still working on special effects, but I had it was it was a blast. I mean, all of the references uh, to Babylon and the other podcasts, and then Ralph. I mean, we haven't talked about Ralph. Ralph is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph Garman, uh, co-host of the Hollywood Babylon podcast with Kevin Smith, uh, plays a prominent role in this in this film as kind of the uh, the villain, uh, and the whole third act belongs to him, uh, and he he pulls out all the stops <laughs> and all the impressions as well too. He was great. Like I just I like I thought I saw him. In the first little like Nazi clip, uh-huh. and um, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. And then when it came back to him, I was. It was so funny. He was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I liked it too. The movie uh, comes out. Uh, there'll be check your local listings for your AMC theaters. Fathom Events, uh, August thirtieth. That's Tuesday, August thirtieth. Fathom Events will be doing a live. Uh, showing of the film uh, at select theaters with a Q&A follow-up um, with Kevin and the cast. And then the film opens uh, next Friday, September 2nd. So this uh, podcast will be out by then. So uh, get your tickets, go see it. It's fun and uh, good times had by all. <laughs> and back to the British cuisine! Yay! <laughs> now, Bonnie, i got to tell you, when I think of British food... Some of the stuff that comes to mind is you know, Yorkshire pudding, shepherd's pie, fish and chips, bangers and mash, spotted <laughs> dick, uh, and black pudding. Um, but uh, what are some of the other interesting British foods that, that like you guys you guys have that we may not know about necessarily? Um, do you guys have bubble and squeak? We do not have Bubble and Squeak, uh, and, I, and I know Bubble and Squeak, and Bubble and Squeak's going to be one of the things we talk about coming up here. <laughs> bubble and Squeak's one, but I didn't think you would like Bubble and Squeak. Oh, I don't like Bubble and Squeak. I was going to say, but... I didn't think you would, not being a vegetable fan, uh, you probably wouldn't like it too much, but we'll get into Bubble and Squeak in a few minutes. But uh, interestingly, you, you talked about the Indian food, and there are five varieties of cuisine that make up British food I found. You have your traditional English food, which up until the 18th or 19th century was influenced by traditional Romano-British agriculture and produced savory meat herb stewing techniques. Meat pies also very big. You guys you guys do some crazy meat pies over there, I got to tell you. Yeah. So it, many pies. <laughs> so many pies. It pies to 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 die for and for us here in America, I mean, most of the pies we have are sweet pies. You guys are all about savory pies. Uh, one of the other interesting uh, cuisines is Anglo-Indian cuisine. It's actually now recognized as one of the <laughs> varieties of British food. It's you Think of it like uh, American Chinese food. 
right? The, the Chinese food we have here is nothing like the food in China, but at the same time, the Indian food you guys have there is, is, is starting to take on more British tones or the British or, or the, uh, the traditional British dishes are being influenced by the Indian spices. Um, yeah, the Anglo-Indian cuisine is huge. Colonial British Empire began to be influenced by India's elaborate food traditions because of their use of the strong penetrating spices and herbs. Uh, and the dishes are derived from traditional British cuisine, such as roast beef, modified with the addition of Indian-style spices, such as cloves, red chilies. Uh, fishes and meats are now often cooked in curry, um, with some Indian vegetables, and uh, Anglo-Indian food often involves the uh, use of coconut, yogurt, almonds, uh, roasts, curries, rice dishes, and breads, all having distinctive flavors. Um, and it really started to become prevalent in the 1960s and 70s. Um, we started to see that. So it's good to know that you like the Indian food. <laughs> I do love Indian food, and it's funny because my actual my favorite Indian dish was actually like most people believe that it was like it originated in Glasgow. So <laughs> is that, is that uh, chicken tikka masala? Yep, that's the one. <laughs> that is the one. Chicken tikka masala is a British dish. It is it is it is considered uh, one of the staples of British cuisine nowadays, and. Yeah, it's it's certainly a, a case where you have the Anglo-Indian influence on the food. Another area, Ireland and Northern Irish cuisine. Uh, Northern Irish cuisine, much like the rest of Irish cuisine, um, uh, is is very popular. And really, the only real difference, like I think that I found, is in you have an Irish breakfast, uh, and then you have the Ulster fry. Which you, have you've heard of the Ulster fry? I haven't. No. <laughs> no it, well, it's it's a dish that's apparently very popular throughout Ulster, uh, and it's not only eaten at breakfast but throughout the day. So, it's uh, traditionally um, eggs, sausage, bacon, um, black pudding, white pudding, beans. Um, but the Ulster fry uh, includes soda bread or potato bread. Uh, but doesn't, oh, yeah. <laughs> but doesn't do the white pudding, um, and it's similar to a breakfast roll seen in the South. Um, they call them filled sodas, um, which consist of soda farl, shallow fried on one side, and then filled with fried sausages, eggs, bacon. Uh, fried onions or mushrooms are usually added upon request. Uh, and a lot of fast food roadside vendors have them over there in Northern Northern Irish cuisine. Uh, you have the Scottish cuisine. Um, Scottish cuisine is the specific set of cooking traditions and, and practices associated with Scotland. Shares much with English cuisine, but has distinctive attributes and recipes, such as haggis, uh, shortbread um, are two common ones. And then Scotland produces a ton of whiskey, uh, and we like whiskey, so... <laughs> And then the no, fifth, I like shortbread. Don't do I don't I don't do haggis. No, you don't do the haggis, but the shortbread no. <laughs> shortbread's good. Now, what is the shortbread? It's just like a very buttery biscuit that's got mm -hmm. sugar on top. <laughs> it's really plain, but it's really sweet and crumbly. It sounds it's I it's sweet and crumbly. Those are two words that just do it for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> the final uh, type of cuisine in British cu uh, cuisine is Welsh cuisine. 
Uh, Welsh, um, although both beef and dairy cattle are raised, raised widely, um, especially in uh, Carmarthenshire and Pembrokeshire. Uh, Wales is best known for their sheep, so a lot of lamb dishes are uh, used uh, uh, instead of beef. Uh, they'll take the traditional British recipe and just use lamb instead of beef. So those are your five cuisines over there. Have you had uh, the, the Welsh cuisine, been over to that area before? I, I have been to Wales. I've got some friends in Wales that mm. we go and see every now and again. Excellent. Do they like their lamb over there? Yeah, they do. There's um, well, a very British joke is just call it is just, well, the Welsh uh, are very close relations with like very close relations with their sheep. That's a uh, a very British joke about the Welsh. So that's so. If you're in England and you want to disparage the Welsh, you 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 just reference the sheep. Kind of like I guess here we do that with New Zealanders. Uh, in New Zealand, you know, is big in sheep and lamb, and and yeah. similar. It's like, are you my daddy? <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Bonnie, th- this being a show that features some recipes, I understand you have a recipe that you'd like to share. I do. It's very simple. It's just shepherd's pie. <laughs> shepherd's pie. You can't get more British than shepherd's pie. So, ladies and gentlemen. Stop your grinning, drop your linen, get a pen and paper, and write this down. Here you go. Okay, well, when I do it, I kind of cheat, and I have a mix that I use, Mm -hmm. but the actual recipe for shepherd's pie, you need, like, a big, like, oven-proof dish, Mm -hmm. and you just, you brown off some lamb mince. You can do it with uh, beef mince as well, but then it's called cottage pie, Ah. rather than shepherd's pie. Makes sense. And uh, if you want to, you can put, like, carrots and onions and, like, some other vegetables, like peas in there. Uh-huh. Lots of, like, root vegetables. Um, so you brown off the mince, add some tomato puree and Worcestershire sauce, as well as some stock. Obviously, if you're using lamb, use lamb stock. If you're using beef, use beef stock. And then you just boil some potatoes, mash them up. Obviously, you've got to peel them first. <laughs> and then add mm-hmm. butter and either cream or milk to them to get them nice and smooth. Mm-hmm. You put the mince at the bottom of the dish with some of the like the stock and the gravy and the vegetables. Spread the mash over the top. I always put cheese on the top so it melts into it, but oh, you don't have good. to. Like cheese. Yeah. And then you bake it for about twenty to twenty-five minutes, and it's done. Done. That's that's it. It's really easy. <laughs> it's very easy. Basically, uh, you're talking about uh, a very simple, almost stew topped with mashed potatoes. That's uh, essentially what it is, yeah. <laughs> so good, shepherd's pie, and you can get so crazy with the varieties. I mean, like like Bonnie said, you could use lamb, you could use beef, you could use bison, you could use boar. You can use any of the bee animals and even some of the seeds. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it's, it's good food and... Uh, it sticks to you, you know. It'd be a good wintertime dish, you know. It's very much comfort food. Yes, when winter is coming, you want some shepherd's pie. I tell you what. Yeah, delicious. <laughs> Order up. Okay, our next course looks like it's up. It is the soup, uh, and this is where we look at restaurants that uh, fit our theme. But before we dive into the restaurants here that serves some good British food. I thought we would be good to visit some of the British dishes that we've heard of and that we haven't heard of. Uh, 
and get an honest bits Brits impression of them. Now, our listeners may have heard of some of these, but I know, like we mentioned, bubble and squeak earlier. Uh, bubble and squeak cakes. Bonnie, uh, do you you care to explain bubble and squeak? Yeah, I can do that. So basically, on a Sunday, we'll have a roast dinner. Mm-hmm. So you have your roast meat, your potatoes, all your different vegetables. Maybe stuffing, depending on how crazy you're feeling. And um, <laughs> at the end of that, whatever you've got left over after everyone's finished their meal, like you get like loads of random bits left over, you pretty much just like mash it up into a pot and then fry it and then eat that the next day. Yes, that is absolutely <laughs> right. You're turning last night's leftover vegetables into a hearty meal. Potatoes and Brussels sprouts make up the traditional brace of this British favorite, but any cooked vegetables work just as well in the mash. Pop a fried egg on top for an easy brunch dish. Bubble and squeak cake. So there's bubble and squeak. <laughs> uh, now, have you had, a, what about a scotch egg? Oh, yeah. You know, I've actually got a list of the stuff that like we have that you might not have, and a scotch egg is on my list. Okay, good. We'll go through my list, and then we'll see if uh, what I missed. <laughs> okay, so, so a scotch egg. Yep. It's just a, a boiled egg surrounded by meat and then surrounded by breadcrumbs. That's it. It's a hard-boiled egg coated in a savory pork crust. Usually pork is used uh, with the scotch egg, but, uh, it's, but yeah, you hard-boil an egg. You wrap some uh, pork around it, you roll it in breadcrumbs, and you deep fry it. I mean, that's that's bacon, or that, that's sausage, eggs, and toast all in one dish. You can't yep. beat it. All right, here you go. Treacle sauce. Now, see, treacle sauce, most Americans know of treacle from Harry Potter. And that's really where we know treacle from. Uh do you, is tree, treacle obviously is pretty regular uh, occurrence for you over there, correct? Um, yeah, like it's very much like um, like dessert food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. So, um, like we have um, like stiff, sticky toffee pudding has right. treacle in it, and um, I don't know, it's just really, really sweet and like golden. Like there's lots of golden syrup in it, and it's just this really sticky, sweet thick sauce that goes on top of puddings and it's something that we we don't have here uh traditionally but it is it's made from evaporated sugar cane juice and has a rich toasty flavor unmatched by other sweeteners golden syrup the most readily available brand being lyle's can be found in some supermarkets or gourmet markets uh it could be used as a substitute for corn syrup in cooking and baking and for everything from pancake syrup to ice cream toppings all right, so I found this one, and you're probably going to be impressed, but uh, piccalilli. Oh, piccalilli. Yeah, I, I personally don't eat, eat it. <laughs> I, I would figure being a vegetable-based yeah. condiment. <laughs> but piccalilli, it's a, uh, it's a condiment relish, uh, and it's the English interpretation of Indian pickles. Uh, they use green p- tomatoes, bell peppers, zucchini, onions, jalapeno. Uh, and basically, those are soaked in salt overnight, and then the liquid is drained, and then it's combined with a um, uh, kind of a liquid-based pickling sauce, and then it's jarred up. You can buy uh, piccalilli. It's called piccalilli, uh, the condiment, and it's it's really odd. Yeah, we um we have a thing. I don't know if do you guys have Plowman's lunches over there. 
The non no. <laughs> At a a plowman's lunch uh-huh. is basically like you just get it's a, sort of like a tray, and you get some like you get some meat on it, you get some cheese on it, you get some bread, and then you get stuff like piccalilli and like some gotcha. salad, gotcha. and then you just sort of build it up yourself. Yeah, and and you could do for multiple people could eat eat off of that and like make sandwiches and stuff, and you just eat it kind of thing. Yeah, it's like sort of like picnic food. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well that, that's that's good. Yeah, piccalilli being one of those kind of it'd be like our jardinier. Uh, jardinier is is kind of our version of piccalilli. It's um, uh, you know vegetables pickled um, and used as a condiment. So uh, another one, Welsh rarebit. Oh, that's you know rabbit. of some de- yeah, it's cheese of some description. <laughs> it's not rabbit. It's rare bit. R-A-R-E-B-I-T. Uh, and it is. It's a cheese-based sauce. It's a. It's actually a roux uh, because you start with fat and flour, and you cook that until it starts to get a golden color, and then you add in um, Worcestershire, some hot sauce, different things, and you finish with uh, by adding cheese. And the Welsh like this sauce served over toasted rye bread, dark rye bread. So you have a, a good combination of flavors. It's just toast with cheese sauce, literally. Yeah, it's nice. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, talk to me about toad in a hole. Oh, toad in the hole. Basically a very large Yorkshire pudding uh-huh. with sausages in the middle. Yep. Serve, and- served with an onion-based sauce. Usually a savory kind of sauce. Uh they do that. I, I I'd never heard of Toad in the Hole. What the hell? I don't. I I just think we really like Yorkshire puddings, and they were like, do you know what we could do? We could make a big one, put some meat in the middle, and then it's dinner. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and it's something we've all heard of: bangers and mash. Yeah, love good bangers and mash. <laughs> Everybody loves good bangers and mash. You know, also known as sausages and mash, traditional British Isle dish. Uh, mashed potatoes and sausages later can be may consist of a variety of flavored sausages made of pork or beef, Cumberland sausage, uh, sometimes served with an onion gravy, fried onions, baked bean, or peas. So bangers and mash we know, and then of course the the one that that churns a lot of people's stomach, but I find it very good, and that's black pudding. Yeah, no, not a fan of black pudding. Ah, see, I've had black. I've had some good black pudding. I mean, black pudding, for those who may not aware, is also known as blood sausage. Uh, it's commonly eaten in Great Britain, Ireland, and other parts of Europe. Generally made from pork fat or beef suet, uh, pork blood, and related high proportion of oatmeal, uh, or sometimes they mix in grits um, to kind of give it that binding. Uh, but it is. It's blood. And then spices, seasoning, some pork fat, uh, and then they they mix it with the oatmeal and cook it in sausage casings. Um, and it can be fried, baked, broiled. They can do anything with it. There are a lot of varieties. But I I actually like it. The one that the one that got me though, spotted dick. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> We have some like we have some weirdly named things. You do have some weirdly named things. And spotted dick, you would think, okay, this is going to be a sausage variety. No, no, spotted it's, dick. It's it's a pudding. Yeah, it's um, we normally have it with custard. It's very much like if you go to a pub to have dinner, 
Uh-huh. This, no- this is normally one of the desserts that's on the menu. It's very, it's very much pub food. Yeah, made with currants or raisins, dried fruit, often served with a custard, um, rolled up into a circular pudding. Yeah, so as a that was Spotted Dick. Now, uh, how it became known as Spotted Dick, nobody knows why Dick <laughs> is involved. But I read somewhere that they're actually now referring to it as Spotted Richard. Yeah, a lot of places do that now, do just they? because everyone's very immature. <laughs> well, yeah, come on, take our fun away, <laughs> shit. Yeah. All right, here you go. I got one for you. Crumpets versus scones. Oh, scones, 100%. You say scones, okay, <laughs> yes. okay. So, yes, uh, here in America we have biscuits. We have uh, biscuits that we make. We're biscuit makers. In England, they make biscuits as well, but their biscuits are actually our cookies. Um, and so they, they they refer to biscuits, uh, we refer to cookies, and then they have scones and crumpets and a whole variety of biscuit-type pastries. Uh, scones and crumpets have different begin- beginnings from one another. Scones are a flaky pastry whose origins date back to the 1500s in Scotland, while crumpets are likely to be more Welsh in origin. Uh, the earliest known crumpet recipe was in 1769. Scones and crumpets both use butter, jam, and other spreads for flavor. However, scones can also incorporate fruit into the actual batter as an alternative flavor, while crumpets do not use fruit in this manner. Crumpets also tend to have a bland flavor. Um, Scones are made from dough that includes baking soda, but not yeast, while crumpets are made from a batter that does include yeast, but not baking soda. Doughs tend to have more solid consistency than batters, resulting in scones being more dense and crumpets having a spongier texture. The spongier texture of crumps actually helps them absorb butter and other fruits and jams, respectively. But you're a scones lady, huh? Yes, I am a scones lady. I don't, I don't mind a crumpet, but scones are scones, definitely scones. Better. You got to go with. Now, I, I don't mind. I like the crumpets when they're served with high tea and the clotted cream. I don't mind them then. They're actually kind of good. Yeah, we know. Uh, well. I normally have, um, like, we have a cream tea, which is the same sort of thing, but you have scones instead of crumpets. Because ah. yeah. you have clotted cream with your jam uh-huh. on your scone with a cup of tea. It's delicious. Oh, trust me, I know. I love high tea. I just, I, what are the origins of high tea? Do you know? I don't. No, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's just like a royal thing. I have no idea. I, I, I've not <laughs> done any research into it, though. My question for you now is, did I miss anything in our weird world of wacky British food? Um, I've got, what have I got on my list? I've got jam roly-poly. Jam roly-poly. Okay, that sounds like a um, uh, a pastry that is going to kind of be like a pinwheel, uh, where it's just jam and sponge cake that's rolled up and cut. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's it. Nice, <laughs> nice. one for one. <laughs> and I've also got trifle. Trifle. Trifle 
isn't trifle another dessert that is um, a sponge cake, uh, lemon custard, and then uh, berries, and you just layer, 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 layer? Yeah, pretty much. So you've got um, either cake or we have these things called lady fingers, which are like mm-hmm. sponge fingers of like a... a it's like a sparkly icing on we, top. We got lady fingers over here. Yeah, those. And um, <laughs> so yeah, and then you just you sh- you um, soak them in like sherry or brandy, and then you just layer them with like custard and fruits, and yeah, delicious. It's good. It's very good. I have I have seen trifle. I have had trifle. It's ooh yummy. So <laughs> that brings us to the restaurant for this episode. And we talked about um, a little bit earlier. We say a Tam O'Shanter's. Now. Look, there are a ton of places out there serving fish and chips, shepherd's pie, other types of British food. You could probably throw a stone and hit one in your town. Um, Lowry's and Tam O'Shanter's are kind of chain restaurants here, but they're very small numbers, like less than 10 kind of thing across the country. Uh, Lowry's, they're both known for prime rib, you know, traditional British cut prime rib. Uh, served with uh, Yorkshire pudding, horseradish, creamed corn. You know, it's just it's just a traditional British thing. Uh, the difference is that Tam O'Shanter's kind of uh, appeals more to the Scottish side, and they also serve haggis. Uh, they also they do a toad in a hole, and they have a Scotch rarebit, um, which the only difference between the Welsh rarebit and the Scotch rarebit is that is the um, beer that is used in the sauce corresponds to the region. So you're using Welsh beer for the Welsh rarebit, and you're using a Scotch beer for the Scotch rarebit. But Tam O'Shanter's, uh, Lowry's, you know, there are a ton of British. Uh, there's an Irish pub in every town, I, I'm, I'm pretty much convinced, and they all have a shepherd's pie variation on the menu. So what are some of your favorite places to get British food? Shoot us an email at from year to table at gmail.com and let us know. Yay! Yay! Order up! And there you have We've had our appetizer and our soup. Now it is time for the main course. Now, Bonnie, we've been talking about this, and I have a question for you. Okay. <laughs> Why do you insist on calling things pudding that aren't pudding? Technically, like... We, we we sent you guys over there, so we we were right in the first place. <laughs> it's pudding. It's dessert. I, it's I, yeah, you are correct. You are correct. Uh, pudding is that kind of food that can be either a dessert or a savory dish. The word is believed to come from the French boudin, uh, originally from the Latin boutellus, meaning small sausage, referring to encased meats in the medieval European puddings. Uh, In the United Kingdom and some of the Commonwealth countries, pudding can be used to describe both sweet and savory dishes. Unless qualified, however, the term is everyday usage typically denotes a dessert. In the UK, pudding is used as a synonym for the dessert course. So when when it's time for dessert, you just say it's time for pudding even though you've had your Yorkshire pudding? Yeah. (laughs) It's very confusing. (laughs) It is very confusing. Uh, Dessert puddings are rich, fairly homogenous. Starch or dairy-based desserts such as rice pudding, 
steamed cake mixtures such as triacle sponge pudding with or without the addition of ingredients such as dried fruit as in a Christmas pudding. Uh, savory dishes include Yorkshire pudding, black pudding, suet pudding, and steak and kidney pudding. In the U.S. and certain parts of Canada, where we use the word correctly, pudding characteristically <laughs> denotes a sweet milk-based dessert similar to in consistency to an egg-based custard, instant custards, or a mousse. Often commercially set using cornstarch, gelatin, or similar collagens. Agents such as Jello line of product. So yes, uh, we call it those puddings, but puddings are kind of like a different thing over there. So, <laughs> um, and, and you guys call those custards or curds uh, if they are yeah. thickened. Um, so yeah, you have bread puddings, rice puddings. Uh, the modern usage of the word pudding to denote primarily desserts has evolved over time from an almost exclusive use of the term to describe savory dishes, specifically those created using the process similar to sausages where meats and other ingredients in mostly liquid form are encased and then steamed or boiled in the contents. The most famous example, like we talked about, blood sausage, uh, blood pudding, black pudding, um, which was a favorite of King Henry VIII. Yeah, he ate a lot. As you can tell from his paintings. He did, he did. The original pudding was formed by mixing uh, various ingredients with a grain product or other binders, such as butter, flour, eggs, cereal, suet, uh, resulting in a solid mass. Baked, seamed, or boiled um, puddings can be served as part of the main course or as a dessert. Boiled or steamed pudding was a common main course aboard ships in the Royal Navy during the 18th and 19th century. Uh, pudding was used as the pr primary dish in which daily rations of flour uh, were prepared. So in, in times of rationing, those puddings became quintessential uh, to the survival of people. Uh, and so with that, I'm going to share a recipe that's even easier than Bonnie's shepherd's pie, and that's traditional herbed Yorkshire pudding. So easy to make. You need three eggs, one and a quarter cup milk, one and a quarter cup all-purpose flour, three tablespoons chopped herbs such as like chives, thymes, parsley, some kosher salt and fresh ground pepper, and one quarter cup of either melted butter or reserved beef drippings. Like if you're making a prime rib, you take a half cup or a quarter cup of that drippings from the bottom of the pan. And that's all you need. You preheat your oven to 450 degrees. You take an 8 by 12 inch uh, cast iron baking dish and, and put it in the preheated oven for 10 minutes. Let it get up to temperature. Um, meanwhile, in a mixing bowl, beat the eggs until foamy and light and then whisk in the milk until combined. You add the flour, herbs, and a big pinch of salt, some pepper, and then you'll beat it until it is just smooth. Pull your heating pan out of the oven and pour in the beef drippings or the melted butter and immediately into the bottom of that hot pan. It'll sizzle, it'll crackle, and then immediately pour your batter in and pop it back in that 450-degree oven for 10 minutes. After that 10 minutes, just drop the temperature down to 350 degrees 
and continue for 15 or 20 minutes until it is puffy and brown. You'll want to serve it immediately because the inside is hollow and it will deflate rapidly. Probably the easiest recipe out there, honestly. So I double dog dare you to try it. Have you made that before, Bonnie? Um, I don't make Yorkshire puddings because when I tried to make them, they didn't rise. I don't know what I did wrong, <laughs> but is... they just sort of stayed flat in the bottom of the thing. I don't know if I just didn't heat it up enough. Or... Yeah, I was gonna say, did you not preheat your pan? I no, I leave it. I leave it to my nan now. I'm like, I oh, don't mind making anything else, but I can't do the Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time your nan is making it, go down there and watch her. Stand study. By, study your say, what am I doing wrong? Oh, you do this? What's your secret? Find out a secret. Nans, they have the best secrets, I tell you. It's true. If you listen to our last episode with Uncle Storm Raven, oh, his nan, she brought some crazy raccoon recipes to the, to the table. <laughs> Actually, a recipe for moose nose jelly. Oh, interesting. Jelly made from the nose of a moose. That's weird. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know if I'd like that <laughs> I don't know how I yeah, feel about it I don't know how I feel about that one either Order up Well We've had our, our main course Now it is time for the dessert And this is where we highlight a chef That specializes in our theme um, We like to get all creamy and gooey over them And this week uh, Honestly I know of two British cooks That I could profile uh, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gordon Ramsay? Yep. And Jamie Oliver. I really don't like Jamie Oliver. <laughs> See, I really don't like Gordon Ramsay because he's loud, he's abrasive. It, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. Now, I, I did, I actually was going to chat about Jamie Oliver, but I'm glad you said you don't like him because there's something I wanted to ask you about. Uh, okay. so, so Jamie Oliver is a British celebrity chef and restaurateur. He's known for a typical healthy English cuisine and has garnered numerous television shows and restaurants. Uh, quick bio. Uh, he was born and raised in the village of Clavering, Essex. Uh, he was educated in London before uh, beginning his first culinary engagement at Antonio Carlucci's Neal Street as a pastry chef. Uh it was in that capacity that he was recognized by the BBC in 1997 and then ended up getting his own show, The Naked Chef, in 1999. Um, his first cookbook subsequently became a number one bestseller in the UK. Uh, and after his Naked Chef series, he was endorsed by multiple companies and expanded his television capacity to include documentaries um, and actually became was honored in 2003 as a member of the Order of the British Empire. In 2005, he initiated a campaign originally called Feed Me Better to move British school children towards eating healthy food and cutting out junk food. It was eventually backed by the British government, and then soon after that, he launched his first high-end restaurant in Oxford, and in 2008 hosted a TED Talk and won a 2010 TED Prize. So my question for you, Bonnie, is with Mr. Oliver, were you in school in 2005 when that whole Feed Me Better thing was happening? Yes, I was, and it was horrible. <laughs> is, that, is that where this comes from? Because I wanted to find out about that. Yeah, my my hatred for Jamie Oliver stems from the fact that he took turkey Twizzlers away from my school. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Turkey Twizzlers. 
Yes. So, Twizzlers being the licorice, correct? Oh, no, this is literally like, it's a turkey sausage that's Uh in a spiral. A spiral turkey sausage. I don't know if it was really turkey, it's probably why he got rid of it, but they were delicious and I miss them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because we have, you know, Twizzlers for us here in America is, uh, you know, red licorice, or the, the brand of licorice is called Twizzler. And so to hear turkey Twizzlers, I was kind of, turkey-flavored Twizzlers, would that work? Hmm. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> probably not. No, probably not. But turkey Twizzlers, so, so well, I mean, he took away some of the the food that he thought was unhealthy. Um, and was that the only thing? Was it just like, turkey Twizzlers? Uh, that wasn't the only thing, but that's the thing that hurt the most. That's the thing that hurt you the <laughs> most. Got it. Now, did did you enjoy any of the food that, that he presented in the schools or had presented? I actually transferred to being packed lunches after. <laughs> I after was they got, like, so you Okay, so you had the option to either like buy into the, the school lunch program and get the turkey Twizzlers, which you're like, yes, no, I got to have turkey Twizzlers, or... You brought your own packed lunch. Yeah. And you saved them. Okay, got it. Now, where, did you have to, like, then go to the store and buy the turkey Twizzlers to take to the school? How did that oh, work? Oh, no, they they just stopped selling them completely. They what, just weren't anywhere anymore. Oh, what, was it something that you could buy in the stores before? No, they were literally, they were just a school dinner thing. It was just like, it was a hot oh, school dinner thing gotcha. that came with chips. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So you would get... Turkey Twizzlers, it's kind of like our fish sticks, uh, or you know, some variation there, but some some processed meat food stuff that was sold in bulk to schools at a reduced rate. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> but you liked it. That's all that mattered. <laughs> and Jamie Oliver took it away. <laughs> and he took it. That bastard! Give us our turkey Twizzlers! <laughs> well, you know... Uh, it looks like the check has arrived, and as always with the, the show, our guest pays the bill. So you get to take care of the, the, the bill, and I will take care of the tip. And this week, since we've taken a trip across the pond, I thought it would only be right that our tip be the hottest show on television right now. The Great British Baking Show. What, The Great British Bake Off? Yes, The Great British Bake Off! <laughs> Love that show! It's the best show. It's my favorite. Absolutely I'm- phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So, the Great British Bake Off, or the Great British Baking Show as it is advertised on PBS here in the U.S., it follows the trials and tribulation of passionate amateur bakers whose goal is to be named the U.K.'s best. Each week, the bakers tackle a different skill, the difficulty of which increases as the competition unfolds. Mary Berry, the leading cookbook writer, and Paul Hollywood, a top artisan baker, serve as the judges. Together with host and comic foils Sue Perkins and Mel Giedroyce, Berry and Hollywood search for the country's best amateur bakers to test the competition's skills on cakes, breads, pastries, and desserts, crowning a winner after ten weeks of competition. That pretty much sums it up, right? Yeah, pretty much. It's just, it's one it's one show that everyone in England will be watching at the same time. Like, there isn't a person I know that doesn't like The Great British Bake Off. <laughs> everybody loves The Great British, and it, over here it's great. And, but the thing is, like, you guys know who Mary and Paul are. Yeah. 
Alright, so there. Mary's a queen. <laughs> Mary is, Mary is totally the queen. She's 60 years cooking experience. Mary Berry is considered to be the doyen of baking. Uh, she learned the art of baking from her mother before tr- training at the prestigious La Cordon Bleu in Paris at just the age of 17. After her training, she quickly established herself as a leading cookery writer and broadcaster and throughout her career has published over 70 cookbooks. In 2012, her contribution to the culinary arts was recognized by the Queen being appointed Commander of the Order of the British Empire, CBE, at the 2012 Birthday Honors. Uh, So yeah, Mary Berry, we may not know her here. She would be like the Martha Stewart if Martha Stewart, all she did was bake and do pastries um, <laughs> and didn't do any of the other crap. So that that's like my experience with the Mary Bean. I've seen season one in its entirety. They haven't put season two up on Netflix yet, but we are watching live season three right now. So that's kind of cool. Uh, okay. There's... Um... There's way more series over here. You must, it must be quite like far behind over what, there. What, what, what season are you on? I think we're on like season six now. Yeah, we've just fini- we finished season six in March. Oh my god, you guys are killing me! I'm so behind. <laughs> I need it now. I need my fix. I need my Mary Paul fix. At least you have it on Netflix. We don't have it on Netflix. We got, se- we got literally season one is available on Netflix, and that's it. Nothing else. That's all we got. Season one. So, but for Paul Hollywood, Paul Hollywood is one of the UK's leading artisan bakers. Uh, the son of a baker, he originally trained as a sculptor until his father persuaded him to change careers. By combining his love of sculpting and baking, he established himself as an innovator. He is a master baker and has worked at some of the most exclusive hotels in the world, including the Dorchester in London. Uh, I, I actually didn't know this about the hosts, Sue and Mel, but they're like... They're like uh, Laurel and Hardy. They're a comedic duo over there. They've had other shows together, and and I think they've been uh, at Edinburgh and done some theater and stuff together. So they're like writing partners, performing partners. Yeah, Sue Perkins is um, hilarious. I love her. (laughs) She's great. (laughs) I like them both. Sue and Mel are both really, really funny, I think. Definitely. some. uh, I can't believe you guys have like six seasons so far. What the hell? I know, like one of the one of the things that pretty much every season of um, the Great British Bake Off afterwards, there'll be a big long post somewhere on the internet about uh, this season's innuendos, and it's just all the innuendos from the Great British Bake Off. So you should definitely look that up. We've uh, <laughs> we've uh, we've actually caught some of them as they've been happening either on season one or season three, and it's mostly Sue and Mel. From yeah, what I've seen, those two are just racy. Yeah, they they make it. It's great. <laughs> it is definitely some good stuff. Definitely some good stuff. So, yes, check out The Great British Baking Show, The Great British Bake Off. Type in Google The Great British Baking, and you'll get what you're looking for. It's it's an absolutely phenomenal show. And honest to goodness, it's it's what every cooking show in the U.S. should be like. The competitors are nice to each other. They're congenial. They're humble. They're amateurs. Uh, And I like the format, too. They only shoot on Saturdays and Sundays, so the contestants get to go away, and they're told what the showstopper and what the first challenge. So that you have a first challenge, which is 
make us this. The second challenge that they do is a technical challenge where they don't know what they're going to make. They're just given a recipe and told to make it. And then the third challenge, they create a showstopper in the th using the theme of the week. So if the theme of the week is uh, kind of pastries, then, hey, they want you to make this specific type of pastry. And they tell the contestants a week ahead of time, next week you have to make this and next and this. And they have a week. They have the week to practice, which is great because then they can come in and they can show what they've learned or that they didn't learn, and it really allows for kind of an even playing field because they're all given ahead of time what it is they're going to need to do, and they're all given the time to practice. Who can pull it out, uh, and who stumbles? That's kind of what the show's about. I would love to see them bring some of these challenges. Uh, to America, because I'd say 60% of the pastries that they make are things that we have never seen before. Oh yeah, you haven't seen that. You only seen the newest series. They made a um, like it's called, it's called like a Victorian tennis cake or something. That's the one. The, yeah. That's the one that we just watched. Is that yeah, season that six? Uh, it might be. I'm pretty sure, unless they've made it in multiple series. Well, but now no, they've made uh, it in the newest one. Well, who, who's who's uh, is uh, Nadia in this season? Yeah, you're watching the new one. Wait, see, and they're billing it as season three. Oh my goodness, you're missing out on the early seasons. I we missed out on something. We missed out on something because you got Ian and Nadia, uh, and uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah. We we just watched the the one. In fact. Right before I came in here to record, we were watching the episode, and they were making, uh, they had just made the tennis cakes, and now they're going into their uh, final showstopper. Uh, so that's this episode that we're actually watching now, too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's, I've just uh, finished that one. <laughs> yep, I'm going to go finish it now, so that's excellent. Yay! <laughs> Although, weirdly enough, we missed last week's episode for some reason. They didn't air it. The uh, profiteroles and the they were they had to make like the the pastry the little tiny profiterole stuff. Yeah. Yeah, missed it completely. They didn't air it. So we're like, you know, at the top, they're like, oh, last week's episode, we saw this happen. I'm like, no, we didn't. Stop. <laughs> we Don't tell that me that. <laughs> so yeah, go check it out. Great British Bake Off. Uh, in the U.S., check your local listings. PBS. They're airing Friday nights or Saturday mornings. Uh, definitely worthwhile. So, in closing, I would like to thank our uh, esteemed guest, Mary Poppins, from across the pond. Thank you, Mary, for joining us today. It was practically perfect. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And until next time, be creative. Go cook something.